what they say can't be done We've got a long way to go And a short time to get there I'm Eastbound just like no bandit run Keep your foot hard on the pedal Welcome to Highway Freaks, real truckers, real life. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host, and introducing my new road crew, J-Man the Snarl, from Calgary, the mother and son team of Wing It Will and Canadian Lady Trucker Janet. This is visit number 31, and it'll be our most explosive and busiest show to date, freaks. Let's start with a dual interview of Bry Guy's one-on-one bandwagon. You will get to hear the final part three of the Darby Mills project with Darby Mills herself, the iconic screen queen. If that's not all, then we'll start part one of Drew Arnott and Strange Advance interview I did with him a while back. He's the lead singer, the founder of the band Strange Advance. Right now, as a matter of fact, Drew is going to be on tour with his band Strange Advance in Victoria, British Columbia, and he will probably start that and end it in Edmonton, Alberta. It gets better. This gets way better. We're going to feature eight songs tonight from both Darby Mills and Drew Arnott's band. So after each topic, we will break for a song, okay? Not only that, we have more. We have a little pink bird listening in on Visit 31 tonight from Washington, D.C. And at the end of this podcast, just before the two bride guys' one-on-one bandwagons, that we will do the interviews, she will reveal herself as the newest member to our road crew. Last but not least, we are in the process of negotiating with a real trucker that has just signed a record deal with Indie Tunes Records named GM Blacktop. A few of his songs, including one of them, will probably become the new theme song for Highway Freaks. So we're going to start with, obviously, J-Man the Snarl, You obviously have a great topic. We had a a very, very sad situation that happened recently with a a Canadian iconic singer named Gordon Lightfoot. So I'm going to let you take it away, Jay. Tell the freaks out there what that's all about with Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, Well, kind of. I was kind of born in the 70s, so he was kind of, you know, a little before my time. Um, But uh, he is considered by Bob by Bob Dylan himself, who is also a very close friend, um, the greatest songwriter in, in the world. Um, he also considered uh, him a, nation, a Canadian national treasure. I mean, that's a lot coming from Bob Dylan. Um, he was born. He was born in 1938. Sadly, we lost him this year on May 1st. Um, he was still touring when he got sick uh, at 84, um, which is just amazing. Um, his music, uh, my favorite song is, uh, of course, the record is Edmund Fitzgerald. I mean, if that, if that song don't move you, uh, you're a rock, plain and simple. Um, you have no soul. Um, his music has been covered by everybody from Elvis Presley, Bob Dylan, um, Dan Murray, uh, who was also another very close, close friend of his. Uh, he's got the Order of Canada. He's got the Order of Ontario, which is the highest order you can get in the province. He's had 16 Juno Awards. He's had five Grammys, I believe. Um, the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, he was, it was a, a, a very, very, very significant loss 
children. Uh, he was married three times. Uh, he, one of his uh, relationships back in the 70s was very, uh, a lot of turmoil in that relationship, which uh, in, the, in the town of Orilla, Ontario, where he was born, there is a statue of him. Um, he had 18 chart chart topping hits in the in the in the uh, in the United States throughout his career, and he had about seven top number one hits in Canada, which for that time is is, is pretty spectacular. He toured Europe, Australia. Um, he was in the United Arab countries. He's been all over the. He's known all over the world, and if you don't know who Gordon Lightfoot is, chances are you're under the age of 10 because everybody has heard of him. And it was a, a, a really sad day when he died. Um, again, like I, I, I found it very interesting um, reading about him because I, did, I didn't know much about the man. And it was, uh, he was a very, very giving person. Um, he would always have time for his fans, would never tell, tell anybody no, they can't have an autograph like some of these artists today um, in the smaller venues he was known to mingle around in the crowd um, I, I can remember a story about him playing at uh, 86th Street Music Hall in Vancouver and uh, in between in between his sets he would walk around and talk to the, talk to the fans and uh, pose for pictures and uh, he was just a really gracious guy he, he loved his fans um, a really, really sad loss. Uh, he has four, four children, and his uh, his wife, I believe, is still alive. And that's pretty much all I can really say about the man. I can add to that for you, Jay. You can. Uh, yeah, I uh, I was just recently uh, I saw an interview uh, where Anne Murray was talking. Uh, Anne Murray is a very good friend of Barry Lightfoot's, and they were sitting over a coffee and. Uh, you know, Anne was ready to retire. I know Anne's like well over her 70s now, right? And uh, Gord's uh, saying, uh, well, Anne, we got to keep going. And uh, goes, no, Gordy, I, I think it's time to hang it up, right? And, uh, and uh, Gord goes, well, we could probably do another 100 shows a year, couldn't we? And she goes, no, Gordy, I think I'm done doing my show. <laughs> he did over 100 shows before he died. I know. Like, I know, I'm crazy. And this is the thing that kills me. It, um, the artists that were fans of his included Elvis. Um, like I said, Bob Dylan, uh, the Tragically Hip. Uh, they all did covers of his music. Yeah. All the way from like when he when he debuted in in '65, it was pretty much an instant hit. Um, yeah. It's that it's that it's that voice. Like and, and really, when you really stop and think about it. Um, uh, and this is not a slam to the guy at all, uh, because one of my favorite singers is Johnny Cash, and Johnny Cash doesn't have a fantastic voice. He does. Um, I don't really think that Gordon um, that uh, Gordon Lightfoot had this spectacular voice, but it was music. It just it reeled you in, like you were you were stuck into the to the song itself. Like the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, you're on the ship. Like he puts haunting, haunting, haunting. Exactly. And, and I think storyteller. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, and and that's what um, 
that was what basically what I was trying to say. Like, uh, you listen to some of these artists and their voices are just absolutely amazing, but you know, their 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 songs are kinda of, oh um, you know Yeah, the world the world will definitely not be so, a good a place. No, it's it's um well, thankfully for recordings because, you know, he will be gone but we'll still have that music. Well, his, his, uh, what was it? His uh, collection compiled of, of over 500 songs. Oh, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he, he will, he, he will be missed, but he will out Very be heard. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yes. And yeah. uh, apparently yeah. the, uh, um, uh, I saw a picture and I kind of thought it was a really cool picture. It was of his casket and, uh, underneath the casket was his dog. Oh, that's, I that's really, I thought that was really moving that's touching you know very um yeah but um for this like he's he's basically in my eyes in my eyes he's canada's elder okay well as well i i mean i i, I never know what to expect you with from these death biographies because you just can snarl we, okay. we, we just we just don't have the time. we just don't have the time no, we're not. Okay, so before we get into one more song, I have got to share with you guys my experience at a Senex in Cartwright, North Dakota, because I have to say, I have never, 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 ever had an experience with a boudet before. <laughs> a boudet? A boudet, yeah. <laughs> I have to share this with you. Oh, man. I, I walked into this bathroom in the morning, you know, kind of half asleep. And uh, the first thing, I mean, I go, in, I go into the, the, the stall, and all of a sudden the toilet seat goes, like, what the heck? The whole leak comes up, right? I was like, okay. It's a little bigger, you know, it's, it's like, it looks nice where you can sit your fanny down. It's like, okay, right on. So I sit down and I was like, oh, oh, oh my God. It was like a heated toilet seat, right? Now I've had te- heated toilet seats, but we're not ones that massage your cheeks. Oh, that was so fun. So then there's this panel on the wall, right guys? And there's, it's got all little symbols, right? And so I, I start screwing around with the little panels, right? And, um, you know, I do my thing, and then all of a sudden, I get this intense, intense jets of hot water shooting up my butt. And I go, oh, my God. And I jump off the toilet, and the water comes through between my legs. It's shooting up in the air. And I realize i got to sit back down, right? And, and it's, so it's like, I, I was like, God, I hope nobody freaking heard me. Like, but everybody did. I just sounded like a little schoolgirl in there, right? You know? And, <laughs> so, then, so then I I saw this thing that said dryer. It's like, all right. So I pushed the button. All of a sudden, I get this cool air drying my butt. <laughs> right? I was like, what the heck? It was the most pleasurable experience of ever having to take a dump in my entire life. If you have not used a bidet, I'm telling you, you have to use one. So the owners at the Cenex, I told them I was going to do this. She thought, because I went up to her and I go, 
oh, I got to tell you about this experience I just had in your bathroom. And all these people are looking like, what? This guy's weird, right? And, and she and she goes, yeah, I think we know what that is. I go, no, 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 you got to know this. And I was like so excited. And um, she goes, yeah, we hear screams in the women's bathroom all the time. And then and she said, oh, you're talking about the bidet. I said, yeah. And so I told her I was going to put it on the show tonight. And she thought that was quite, quite comical. She will be listening to us this weekend. So hats off to the Senex in Cartwright, North Dakota. Uh, well, now you know what it's like after having a baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. We got a song from Darby Mills Project called Staying All Night. We'll be back.
Hello, highway truckers. My name is Darby Mills, and you used to know me from a band called The Headpins. Now I'm from a band called Darby Mills Project, and I'm just dropping in here to say hello to Lady Trucker Janet on Highway Freaks. Woo! Oh, that was an, uh, that was an amazing song. I just love her voice. Um, so now I'm going to get into uh, Quebec, considering the 60-foot trailers. They're looking at putting those in. Um, Ontario already has uh, a pilot project with Walmart, allowing trailers basically to go anywhere within Ontario. Uh, when they're deciding to whether they should just be st- uh, stuck on designated highways or whether they should have full access to all the provinces, right? Uh, the Maritimes have already started with these. And the only issue that they're running into now is uh, the trailer companies, they don't have the capability of extruding the full framework for a 60-foot trailer yet. So they're still working on that. Uh, The only benefit to these trailers would be an extra two pallets per trailer, so a total of 30 pallets. And they're mainly designed for uh, the lighter weight product where you could actually fill the trailer right to the back and it'll still be within the designated weights that we have currently for five axles. They're questioning why not use uh, the long combination vehicles. And the reason why they don't want to do that is because those already have restricted uh, roadways that they can travel on as opposed to being able to travel pretty much anywhere. So that's uh, basically it on the 60-foot trailer. Oh, I can't see a lot of them. No, I, I can't see it either. Uh, although, with them twinning everything, you know, they're taking out a lot of the sharper corners. I could see it maybe on the main roads, but, you know, secondary highways, that, I can't see that. But, yeah, I, I mean, I can see an issue. I mean, you look at some of the older areas, um, Vancouver, for example, parts of Toronto, Montreal. Oh, Montreal would be a nice... Uh, to take a 60, they're actually 60 feet and 60 and a half feet, I think I read. So almost 66 inches, right? Or, sorry, six foot, uh, 60 foot 6 inches or whatever it is. Right. So, I, I mean, they have a hard enough time with some of these 53 footers. Well, there's areas in Vancouver. Um, yeah. Drive down there, okay, and uh, uh, you can see the chunk out of the telephone poles from the 53s. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, uh, they were all, they were built for 48 footers, 28 and 48, you know? Um, well, when I was, when I first started, um, a very common trailer was a 42. Yeah. In Vancouver. Uh, 45s, 42s. Yeah. 40, 48s were around, but mostly that neighbors. was pushing it yeah that was pushing it uh, and then the and then it, and then it was the rail that brought the 48 the 53 in yeah and it just caused havoc yeah for, for oh yeah time. well i mean look at look at the kind of overhang you got when when you're going into california for example well right you know um the 53 footers uh i remember taking a one into jersey city I mean, you had to snug your axles all the way up just to get in and around everything. 
you know, it just, and that overhang, if you don't watch for that swing, boy, you're in trouble. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you'll take, you'll take, you'll take mirrors off. And, uh, Jersey barriers, cars, trucks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Buildings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, all, all of the older cities, right? You've got that problem. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, Calgary actually, for, you know, as big a city as this, it's not bad for getting around with a 53. But don't well, try and get into a dock downtown with a 53-footer. You're not going to do it. Well, I used to haul stern drives for tuxos. And I don't know if you know what a stern drive is, but it's a massive prop. Yeah. I think it's massive. Yeah. And uh, you would take them on a 48-foot uh, step deck. And I would take them to uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. And there were places that I couldn't turn. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, you, you can't turn. You're taking up the whole road, and you still can't make that corner. Exactly. I know. You know. I know. I I found that more with the when I was pulling flatbed you know, than I was with drive-on or reefer. Just uh, brutal. Flatbed, we went places... That low truck should never go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and never mind doing an oversized load down in Texas, where you're on the oh. FM roads. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I've done that. You I've know, done that. But, you know, yeah, I mean. You're, 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 you're 12 feet wide, and you're going down the, the FM road, and you got another guy that's 12 wide coming at you, and they don't know what the hell you're going to do. And there's typically only enough room for one and a half of us. Yeah. So at, a, at the best of times, yes, I you remember. Know. I remember back in, you know, two, three, five miles, just to <laughs> find a spot to pull over so he can get by or, yeah. you know. I, well, we still, have, we still have highways in northern BC like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I chose never to do logging. <laughs> I, I, I never liked logging. It just beats the shit out of you. Yeah. You know, you get on oh, the yeah. washboard, washboard uh, <laughs> walking roads and you're just vibrating all the way down the road. Yeah. You know, you, you're just getting the shit beat out of you. Yeah. Well, I think these longer trailers, Matt, I, I don't see them going from depot, like, to delivering to stores. No, I, I can't just, see that. No, I think, I think what they're looking at mainly is from depot to depot, you know, where you're in a more industrial area and you've got wider turns, bigger roads, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I can't see, I can't see California alone. No, no. There was a time where they wouldn't even allow the 53-footers to come in. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. It took them a while. Yeah. They didn't I want mean, anything over a 48. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, I remember when I was pulling decks where, yeah, if you were over 48 feet, you weren't going into Kelly. Just not happening. I remember when you used to have the permits. Yes. You used to have to stop and get the permits. If you didn't have your permit, you were you were you got fined, and then they gave you the yep. pleasure of buying another permit. Yep. And Oregon uh, was Oregon. Oregon. Yes. Well, you know why they did away with that? Uh, why Oregon was so quick to jump on the on the IFTA bandwagon, don't you? Why? Well, because guys were coming in from other states, and they would just write down the fuel plate number. Yeah. And then just use that number. Yeah. So the fuel tax was going to some guy. <laughs> 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 no. Yeah. Uh, you know. 
I mean, nobody paid the ultimate. Oregon used to be the best. If you got, if, if you were overweight in Oregon, it was a penny a pound. Yeah. So, you know, it was no big deal. Yeah, Nobody exactly. worried about running overweight. Now it's, you know, they're like everybody else. It's, you're doomed. Yep. <laughs> you're doomed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. That was, that was as always. I, I just love Canadian Lady Trucker Janet's uh, topics because they're always related to what? Trucking. Trucking. And <laughs> what are we about? We're about highway freaks trucking out there. And speaking of trucking, where are we tonight, guys? Um, let's tell our freaks out there, of course. Where are you, J-Man? I am in Riverside, California. How's the weather? Very nice, actually. Sunny. Okay. All it's right. really cloudy. Okay. It looked pretty ugly this morning. Um, okay. I will say. All right. And I am back in Canada. I'm in Regina. Okay. And uh, just waiting for another load. And I'll be heading to Albuquerque, New Mexico tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. Will and Janet, uh, for our freaks and our mystery guests from the United States, tell them about where you are. We're in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's come off it's a not week snowing. of rain. It's not no, snowing, right? We, we had a week of rain. We had our first thunderstorm of the year today. Yep. I know what that's cool. like. It's, it's been a little snowing cool for the last week. <laughs> it's, not snow, it's not snowing in Calgary because it's not July yet. Yeah, no, it it, yeah, it, it, it overnight, there were a couple of nights where it did try. Um, there were a couple of flakes coming down, but nothing major. <laughs> Went through like a okay. week of good weather, and then, like, all of a sudden, shit weather. <laughs> yeah, right. like I said, a full week of rain. Okay, so... Um, we're going to go on. Uh, before we get to, Will, your topic, I'm uh, interested to hear what you got tonight. I hope it's not computer-related. Maybe something a little bit different. Okay? Kind of hey, be nice for a change. Man, man, you're the one that told me to stick to that, so I follow your instructions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, after that bidet experience, I, I'm just still a little bit... Uh,
people who are on the waiting list are probably just going to get bumped up now. Um, and I actually like, I, I tried to find a couple of things wrong with this bill, but there, there, there is not much, uh, that is wrong unless you, you know, happen to fall above, uh, higher tax, tax bracket, of course. Right. But, um, yeah, this, this bill will basically allow everyone on the waiting list to, and there's over 20,000 of them right now, uh, to get their, um, their hip replacements and their surgeries, uh, such as knee replacements too, before, I guess, winter, which is, which is pretty amazing. Um, I think, uh, Ontario is going the way, uh, a lot of the U.S. should go. Like, we all know, like, the, the, um, and, and keep in mind, I'm a Canadian speaking on the American side, but we all know that the Obama, um, healthcare was not really, uh, the best healthcare for, uh, some individuals, right? So, um, the, uh, I, I feel like a lot of places should, you know, take a look into this and see if that, if they could provide the same, uh, health benefits as, uh, in the USA, um, just the simplest thing can cost you hundreds of dollars, so. Yeah, the difference between the system down in the States and ours is we pay within our tax a certain amount to cover our health care, whereas I believe with most of the U.S., I, I know there's insurance companies out there, but um, it's basically out of pocket for for the U.S. citizens. Yeah, well, and I, I, I mean, we got countries like Europe paying people to, to not only go to school but have kids. Like, there's, there, there, there is a huge disconnect there. Like, we, we, we can't deny that. And oh, there is. Not, I, 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 I'm, I'm not gonna go on any political sides right now. I, I'm not gonna say like what I, what I like and don't like. But this adds to that subject. Um, the NDP had, uh, has said it presented 74 uh, amendments to the Your Health Act uh, in committee, but none of them were accepted by the Doug Ford government. So um, this, this kind of makes me wonder why why this bill got got passed. There's there, there's a couple others that have been passed in the last two weeks that just, I mean, they kind of don't make sense, but they do. Okay, who's got an, <laughs> next topic? Okay. <laughs> I mean, anybody could have added to that if they like. Okay, yeah, you know, I, 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 probably I, I, edit that piece. I'm, okay. Yeah. As 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 always from the computer feed himself, wing it will, okay. Um, and you know somebody asked me actually once, why are you calling him wing it will? And um, I've wondered that oh, likes it. my whole life too. So <laughs> <laughs> it's because Will kind of does things on the spur of the moment, and he did that for a while on the podcast. And then he started getting his topics pretty organized, but it was kind of funny because he would do like three topics in 15 minutes, five topic here, five topic here, five topic here, right? So we, he, he earned his nickname, Wing It Will, on the Highway Freaks podcast. So there's a little trivia for you guys as well. So what do I have next, you ask? You can only imagine, eh? Well, I have something actually quite interesting I want to talk about. And uh, a lot of you guys don't know about it, but uh, our company, and I can't mention the name, but they're very involved in charitable organizations. And I was going down to Geneva, California with this load of uh, lentils. I can say it now because it's delivered. So it's called Gleanings for the Hungry. 
Okay, and this amazing organization was founded in 1982. It's a nonprofit affiliation with factions as a Mercy Ministry of Youth with a mission. Basically, they're an interdenominational Christian minority located in the heart of the San Joaquin Valley, right near Denuba, California. Gleaning's mission is to feed the hungry of the world, both spiritually and physically. I was hauling about 42,000 pounds of lentils, like I was saying, from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, for their soup production. This miraculous endeavor started in the year 2000. Okay, the soup, the soup you all are talking about. Volunteers work in the soup plant, which includes dehydrated vegetables, rice, lentils, and pasta, among the many ingredients. They mix them up to combine a highly nutritious soup, which they then package in bags for easy distribution, which gets shipped to all over third world countries. Thus, receiving ministries, they then distribute the soup mix in the meal programs, schools, orphanages, and other third world neighboring communities. They also have dried fruit production. Gleanings for the Hungry also provides sun-dried nectarines and peaches during the summer months. Uh, called fruit is, or uh, uh, called fruit rather, uh, excuse me, is donated by local fruit growers. Volunteer workers are basically what they do is they process, they wash, they sort, they pit, they sun dry, and then they pack the fruit into buckets for shipment. Youth from churches have, and school groups and Christian schools all over the United States and Canada also volunteer for one week of work. They have an amazing volunteer program. So, like, you would have this, you know, this group of youth for that week and then the next group. So, all the summer, they're extremely busy. In fact, speaking of which, they have a summer staff inter- internship. So, Gleaning welcomes 17 to 25-year-olds to join their summer staff internship program, which, of course, when, you know, you're a teenager and you're putting that on a resume, that just gets you a job that better because it shows your character and your abilities, right? So, that's kind of cool. Now, these volunteer people are literally the backbone of the fruit production. They operate plant machinery, forklifts, and they do weekly things such as house cleaning. Uh, they have leadership abilities. Uh, it's a life-changing experience for these young individuals. Not to make, uh, not to mention, rather, making long-lasting friendships that form in different parts of the world. If that wasn't enough, they also do quilts. Volunteer women make quilts to send out all around the world. And in their quilt room, hundreds of quilts are sewn each year uh, to basically go to third world countries that are distributed again by Christian ministries. They also have a discipleship training program and a school that is actually a five-month course for people wanting to devote their life to the church. Every year, Gleanings for the Hungry receives millions and millions of pounds of nutritious food such as raisins, energy bars, pasta, cereal, vitamins, beans, rice, nuts, dried fruits, and veggies. The volunteers come from all walks of life, and they actually are people that uh, are in the uh, mechanical field, uh, painting, construction, plumbing, welding, groundskeeping. All these people do it for nothing, guys. Free, right? In return, they get all the food and lodging they want. In fact, when I was there, they weren't going to let me stay there that whole weekend uh, for free. And they probably have some of the most amazing food, I'm sure. So if you want to know more, check out Gleanings for Hungry on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. And there you can find even more stories about the absolutely fantastic work they do. I'm not going to tell you how much it costs my company for the load, but I am going to tell you this. So most loads, I can tell you this, cost over $2,000. 
Okay. And Janet, you as a former trucker, you probably know that that would be the case of anything going down to California, right? Oh, at a bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yes. That would okay. be it. Yes. Well, I can tell you the loads that we ship are way under that. Okay. That's all I'm going to tell you. Okay. So that's why I think it's such a great program. It really is. Um, as far as gleanings, you can call them at 559-591-5009, or you can go to their website, www.gleanings.org. And Gleaning for the Hungry is a, actually, it's known as a 501c nonprofit, and they have a, a federal number that you can actually look up as well. Um, and you can also write to them at uh, Gleanings for the Hungry at 43029 Road, 104 in Danuba, California, 93618. So I think they do amazing work. I, I'm, my wife was so proud, so proud to be part uh, the, of this, you know, with the, the company that I work for. And uh, next time, Jay, if you got a load going to Danuba, California, I'm telling you, man, take it. Because you'll get to pick the sweetest lemons off a tree, and you'll get to pick real oranges, which I actually did. And one more last thing. There's a lot of big thorns in a lemon tree. Did you guys know that? I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're actually larger than rose thorns. I'm glad you guys are a lively bunch tonight. That's wonderful, guys. That's excellent. Okay. Anyway, um, that's my... Uh, topic on gleanings for the hungry and when i come back on the next topic i'm going to tell you about something that happened at a bucky's in texas yeah a bad bad, bad thing yeah it was bad okay so so back to the music at hand okay um like i was saying we have this uh, dual interview uh one-on-one -on -one interview with uh darby mills tonight uh part three and uh drew arnett and uh we are going to feature another one of Darby's songs, and this is actually from the Headpins, and it's called Just One More Time.
it's a fantastic song. Uh, that that girl has pipes, man. She can really, really belt out tunes. Anyway, if you're planning on moving to Maine with your armadillo, don't do it. Can't have a pet elk, pet elk armadillo in the state of Maine. These are the crazy laws that are still on the books. Um, a really good one is in case. Now this law goes back probably to the 16th century, or yeah, 16 to the 1600s. You must bring your shotgun to church in case of an Indian uprising. <laughs> oh my! I'm not kidding you. This is still on the books. <laughs> oh my! Uh, you never know when the when the natives are gonna you know a surprise attack while you're at church. So bring your shotgun. You cannot step out of a plane in flight. So well, that's pretty much, well, that's what I would think. But what, you know, it, it's pretty vague. Like, what does it mean? What about uh, skydiving? Don't they, don't they skydive in Maine? Like, I don't know. I um, don't know. Uh, in Portland, you can be fined $10 for walking down the street with your shoelaces untied. Okay. <laughs> what does that work out to, like, $5 a foot? Yeah, yeah something like that, at least. Um, Unless you're a tripod, and I guess. One, and, and this one is, you know, for Brian, man, you know, it, it, he, he shouldn't move to Maine because in Maine, it is against the law to bite your landlord. <laughs> <laughs> you can't bite him. It's not allowed. Oh, darn. Uh, and this, oh, darn. This is my plan for tomorrow. No. <laughs> and this is the funniest one. This one cracks me up because this is like so stereotypical of police. Okay. Um, in South Berwick, now I've been to South Berwick, um, it is illegal to park your car in front of Dunkin' Donuts. Do you know why? That's a preserved spot. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. All the parking spots are reserved for the police. Oh, man. Can you, you believe that? that? Can you imagine if they did that at Timmy's here? And I thought that that was just like a punchline to a joke. <laughs> I did, but there's actually, there's actually a place that has the law. I mean, that, that's something else. Um, it's against the law to catch catch a lobster with your bare hands. No good. Don't ask me why. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know why you'd want to. Uh, have you ever seen the claws on those things? Yeah. You know, um... You, uh, this, this, this law is kind of okay. I, uh, I don't see this really being that stupid because I've, I've seen it in other places. Um, you have to have your Christmas tree, Christmas lights down after uh, no later than January 14th. Lots of places have that. Uh, I don't really, you know, you just turn them <laughs> off. You just turn them off. You want yeah. to see the goddamn things all year round anyway. And you cannot sell a mercury thermometer in an airport in me. Oh. Now I I can just I, I I guess they were just lined up selling I'd love bugging people selling thermometers. Yeah, I I'd love to I'd love to know where some of these laws come from. You know because ah. just, just imagine just well, imagine I, what what caused them to have to create that law in the first well, place. It's, <laughs> it's like that law in Calgary of you know you can't set fire to a guy guys wouldn't like. I mean who that, yeah. what did somebody actually do that? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, oh man, well, those, those are the crazy laws. Um, uh, these are the, the 12, the 12 best ones. I mean, there's, there's plenty more, but, uh, each podcast I'm going to do a state. Um, 
And I, I think next week I'm going to do I'm going to do Massachusetts because it's the, one of the old well it's one of the oldest states. So uh, they should have some real kick-ass stupid laws. Yeah, you really uh, gotta check out Arkansas and Tennessee and Kentucky because they have some bizarre ones. Here's another one. Here's another one in Maine. Um, it is against the law to walk down the road, walk down the street playing a violin. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm safe. I can't play the violin. But, yeah, um, exactly. Me either. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, there's just so many goofy laws that go way back. Like, a, a lot of these are hundreds of years old. Because, you know, um, the, the East Coast is, is hundreds of years old. I mean, some of the towns there date back to the 1620s, 1630s. Yeah. yeah. So, but that that is the crazy laws of Maine. I hope you enjoyed I, it. I I think I think we're gonna need some goofy circus music behind uh, Jay's new topic. That's that's what I hear when when but, you, when you do, do your topics. Do 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 like like Janet was saying is like what makes them have those laws is what I would like to do. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like a, like I said with the wooden leg, setting a guy's leg wooden leg on fire, you know, well Well and, I guess and somebody that, did it. <laughs> and that one I mentioned a week or two ago about you can't you can't walk the street with an ice cream cone in your pocket. Like yes. I Well I have no words. <laughs> Crazy. In Summerland, a couple of years ago, it was it was illegal to walk down the street uh, eating ice cream. Yeah, absolutely and, bizarre. You know, um, I don't know. I guess they just you know having a bad day, and uh, guy just wanted to pass a stupid law. I don't know. I don't know where they come from. Yeah. So I want to. I do want to interject for a minute. We have an update, an NHL update. I know you uh -oh. guys have been dying to hear this. Oh yeah. Okay. The one series is over in round two, J-Man. Carolina oh. took out New Jersey Devils. Ah. Three to two tonight, and that means Carolina wins the series four to one. In the other series, my famed Dallas Stars are doing what they do best, and that is beat the Kraken's butts. It's two to nothing at the end of the first, so um, I'm very happy to see that they're going to put the Kraken on the brink of elimination. So, and uh, we will say, man, updates periodically. No, they're the my stars. Come on, come on, come on, get it right. Okay. All right, so um, we're going to go back to another song, and this one, this time, is actually from strange advance and this is one that they were very well known for and um i'm just letting you guys listen to worlds away
reminds me of the uh, the aliens and, and Captain Kirk, you know, kind of spacey, <laughs> out there kind of stuff, you know? You know, this space, the final frontier uh, between <laughs> your... Oh. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah, uh, Captain Kirk, he was always going Captain after the Kirk. green alien. Yeah, yeah with, green with, alien. with the three breasts, with the three breasts, right? Yeah, What it wouldn't be like wasn't Brian Tedford. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I'd be slapping right. myself too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, okay, so you you got another topic, Janet, to talk about. Go I, ahead. I do, yeah. Illinois is increasing truck parking. Um, they plan on building more than 100 spots in three different rest areas, two of them on I-55 and one on I-24. The Fort Massac rest area, I hope I said that right, is on I-24, and Coalfield and Rail Splitter are both on I-55. And it uh, looks like those two are looking at, uh, or so, sorry, Rail Splitter is looking at uh, starting up fall of this year. And the other two are looking at uh, summer fall of next. Um, it's still in de- design phase. And the government is also funding 22 port, rail, and highway projects. Um, they're also making uh, changes to the interchange at State Route 17 and I-57 at Kankanee. Um, also upgrades at, Ka- these names are so tough to say, Kaskia, I hope I said that right, uh, Regional Port District. Um, new overpass at US-50 over Chicago Sanitary and Ship Canal, which is where the Chicago River and the Plains River uh, Junction. Uh, the average rest area in Illinois is at least 35 years old, and they find that they're spread too far apart. So sounds like they're actually looking at maybe increasing the number of rest areas in the future. Uh, rail, sp- rail Splitter is 50 years old already, uh, it's five miles north of Springfield. Fort Massac is one mile west of the Kentucky state line and is over 30 years old. Um, currently in Illinois, there's a total of 11,262 truck parking spaces. Um, just that they're looking at increasing over the next year, um, or at least starting over the next year, another hundred spots. So it's just, just a drop in the bucket. <laughs> in all honesty, when I look at that, uh, we sure need a lot more, a lot more parking. Oh, way more. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, uh, out here in California, just insane. Oh yeah, well, I mean, at least in Cal- like places like California, Arizona, you can pull off onto the side, kind of thing. You will. Yeah, they have no can, choice. They have no can, choice. Yeah, but you can actually park on the sand, you know, yeah. um, at the exits and whatnot. But you get somewhere like Illinois. I mean. Yeah, where do you go? Yeah, Illinois, Indiana, those two states, man, they're. They're really, really tight for spots. If you're not in by two o'clock in the afternoon, park. Oh yes. You're, forget it. Forget yeah. it. You're parking on the side of the road somewhere, right? And that doesn't matter whether it's a rest area or a truck stop. You know, it's just if you're not there by two, forget it. Especially if you're close to a major center. 
It's just not going to happen. Yeah, what are they going to do with all these electric trucks they want? Yeah, well, actually, uh, remember I was saying a couple of weeks ago about the TA being bought out by BP. BP is renovating many of their locations now. Pardon me. Um, They're renovating them to accommodate the electric trucks and the charging. So that was one of the reasons BP decided to go in with the purchase for TAs. So that was their whole plan in the beginning. But it's still going to be years down the road before everything's ready. And, you know, I've seen um, in some of the articles I was reading, Schneider's already got uh, easily like 90 trucks sitting waiting. But they're, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, they, I knew it was Schneider based on, you know, the design on the truck. Now, they are also only day caps that I saw. Oh, okay, they're 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 switching it over for town work. That makes sense. Well, that not only sense. town, but you know, short haul. Short haul. Well, the you know, the, the range isn't there. No, it's not. It's not like we could go from Calgary to Edmonton and back, and then have to uh, have to recharge, right? Yeah. It's just, and of course, the further north you go into the cold, the right. the shorter you got. So. Summer, you might do fine, but come winter, man, forget it. Oh, they're going to have lots of issues. Well, I don't I don't see it happening in Ontario for a very long time. I mean, there's just not enough places to pull in to begin with. Well, exactly. And even the, the truck stops that are there, they're not even going to be equipped. They're, they don't even have the room for some of them. <clears throat> I'm thinking specifically like the Flying J, uh, Cabas Casing. Even the Husky at, at uh, Nipigon there. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a decent-sized lot, but where where would you put them? Oh. And then you end up, you'd end up losing so many spaces for trucks that need to park for the night. And or during the day if they're running nights, right? So I just, I, I don't charge, see in the near future. Yeah. The charge, a electric, just an electric vehicle is getting expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I look at my electric bill, and I'm going, I'm kind of glad I didn't get an electric car when I decided to go from my old trusted 97 Chevy and, you know, went to a newer vehicle because I, I just, I'm not, I'm struggling, you know, with three and $400 a month bills just for electricity and water. I, I couldn't even imagine trying to charge a car, especially now that Arlo, our office has moved, I'm now going twice as far, and having to use my tr- my vehicle for like two days out of the week where I'm using it for a full eight hours at work, and then coming home, I just, now I can see it. It just yeah, doesn't work. It's just, but everybody's on this electric vehicle thing, so. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't see it working. No. No, and then you look right. at, yes. Ding, ding, ding. Time's up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to get into uh, a couple more topics. And then, of course, we are going to reveal our mystery guest tonight that will be part of our regular podcast. But before I do that, I want to tell you something that happened at a Bucky's in Texas. I'm not going to mention where it is because Bucky's is too crazy. So we're not going to do that. You just did. But. I said it was Texas. I didn't say in where oh. it was. Oh, dipshit! Nice try. Okay, well, so still saying where it is. 
Okay, yeah. Okay, that's like saying, Jay, you're in California. I'm going to be able to find you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this is what happened in Bucky's. What a guy. Okay, so um, anyway... This couple, they were they were truck drivers. They they driven team for years, and they decided that they wanted to retire, and they just decided to buy a simple Freightliner, you know, with the type of sleeper that you know I have, Janet. I'm sure you know what size that would be. So anyway, they're at a Bucky's and uh, in Texas, they park their bobtail. Bobtail means one tractor. It doesn't mean a trailer, okay? And if you've ever been to Bucky's, it is a wonderful, wonderful place to go. It's just, I mean, it's got amazing, amazing food that is right, cooked right there for you, like ribs and, you know, uh, uh, pulled pork sandwiches and whatnot. And their clothes are just dirt cheap. So the woman's picking out her clothes, and the man has gone, gone to order the ribs. And, you know, they're just having a really nice time. And then the security comes up, and they're, you know, not very nice people. They said, uh, is that your truck out parked in front there and beside that uh, 53-foot RV? And, and the uh, lady goes, yes, it is. She goes, uh, is there a problem? He said, yes, there's a, a very large problem. Trucks are not allowed at Bucky. This is not a truck stop. And she, she objected. She said, well, we're parked right beside a 53-foot RV. There shouldn't be a problem. We're just a bobtail. So we'll be right back. So she was there. She was kind of, you know, shaken by it all. And then security had her other, uh, had her husband uh, escorted as well. And they escorted both of them right to the truck. And it was so embarrassing. It was almost like they were criminals, right? And God had them get in the truck and leave, okay? That has got all kinds of wrong attached to it. Don't you guys think? Oh, oh sure. big time. Like, I mean, and, and here's the hypocritical thing. They're beside a, a 53-foot RV. You know how big some of those things are? And, yeah. and let's just get on, let's get on some of this topic here because this pisses me off, guys. You get these old couples that go in and they buy an RV, right? And they can't drive them to save their life. Yeah. And they don't have to take a course. I yeah. just boggled my mind. Right, and this is a good example of a, a very nice couple that are driving a bobtail, and some other, you know, blue hairs that are sitting there in in the uh, buckies, you know, that are ninety years old, get to stay there and shop. That's yep. just not right. Well, this day you and know, age. Florida is even worse because I mean, for the most part, we use flying jays, right? Where you know, that's where we go, that's where we get our fuel. Um, my first experience with Florida was not good as far as trucking goes. Tell us about it. Well, I mean, in Florida, they look at their money coming from the tourists, the old guys, the, the snowbirds coming down. So there are numerous Flying J truck stops down in, in like, down around Miami and, and I can't even remember, Jacksonville, I know there was one or two, but... No trucks allowed to park there. You can go get your fuel, but you got to leave right away. And I really had an issue with that. Then don't call yourself a truck stop, you know, but that's because that's where they get their money. Although I can pretty much guarantee you'd be spending more in fuel than they do. But yeah. Yeah, but, but at a Bucky's. Strictly RVs. Strictly RVs. A Bucky's, Janet. 
to interject yeah, a Bucky's. A Bucky's is massive, massive. Like sure. they, we're talking like the size of four football fields. Okay. Yeah. And you cannot tell me that one couple driving a bobtail would have to be told to leave. So, oh my God, look it. There's a bobtail. Oh yeah, the truckers can all come in here now with their tractor trailers. You can't tell me that's encouraging them. No, no, no way. No, no. Okay. So, boo on Bucky's. Yeah. Okay. And I probably won't go to another Bucky's just for that reason. No, I won't either. You know, um, uh, you could take your pork sandwiches, and as Jay would say, <laughs> what does Jay say? Jay? <laughs> Roll it up tight and shove it up your ass. There you go. Perfect. Spoken like a true trucker, like the Jay man, the <laughs> snarl. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but you know what? Let's let's be realistic here for a second. Um, as bad as this is, I'm not condoning Bucky's at all. As a matter of fact, I think this is horseshit. Look at the trail of destruction and crap. Uh, certain truck drivers are leaving behind. I know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was telling you a story the other day. I told you the story about the yes. gas jugs. Yeah, that infuriates me. That just I thought it was done. I honestly thought it was done, and I and Bandit and I we were up at a, a scale just before you go down the Nevada state line uh, to, to for California rather to the Nevada state line, Janet. That uh, you know the one up on the hill there. Oh yeah, yeah. The most disgusting, just god awful, abysmal yeah. place that you can park and bring your dog. Yeah. There was piss jugs. There was piss jugs in every shape, size, color. I just, I couldn't believe it, okay? Yeah. Um, well, I mean... It was unreal. It doesn't, it doesn't matter which truck stop you go to. As no. soon as you go into the outer lying corners, like Party Row, what they all call Party Row, yeah. you find that crap. And it doesn't, you know, I do have to say that um, both the TA and the Petro in Ontario, California, keep that part clean. Um, and I, I commend them on that. But... Most of the truck stops that I've stopped at, if you're parking in the back row, that's all you're going to find behind your trailer. It's disgusting. It is. It's thoroughly disgusting. Um, I mean, there's that, that one truck stop as you come in from, you're coming out to Arizona into Utah or California into Utah there. Um, you cut across that little bit of oh, yes. down in St. George. We yeah. all know what truck stop. I'm not going to mention names, but that's that's another one. You park up along along the back there, and it's disgusting behind there. Um, yeah, all there's no, there's no, need, no, need, no need for it. Yeah. It's, you know, like, how hard is it to, I mean, there's, it just, I, I'm dumbfounded, you know. But it this is. is. This is, this is literally, I mean, these guys don't seem to understand. This is where you live, at least for those 10 hours. That's right. And chances are you live there a lot more than once a, once a month because most of us, you know, have repeat uh, repeat uh, trips going down there, right? So, I mean, it's just like take pride in what you do. This is one of the reasons why so many people hate truck drivers. Well, we're getting kicked out of more and more places. There's a, oh, uh, it was on the news. Uh, there's a Walmart. Um, it's in Iowa. We'll have to look it up. Um, they've just finally said enough. Yeah. I don't even want you shopping there anymore. Just don't even come here. Um, and, and they used to, and they used to allow truck parking. And yeah. they just, they've 
finally just said enough. And I can't yep. blame them. Oh, yeah, I don't blame them either. I mean, that's why a lot of the scales no longer allow us to park. That's right. You know, I there's some nasty, nasty people out there, I tell you. Yeah. Well, I mean, how hard is lazy. it? How hard is it to throw it out with your garbage? Although yeah. I've seen, I've also seen trucks that are so filthy, you pull up beside them and all you can is garbage, you know, level with the dash. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just, you stop. I, I got to tell you, uh, this, this just reminded me of, of a story. I got to share this with you. Uh, I had a friend that uh, ran the DOT in, in uh, Ogden, Utah. And she told me, this is the most horrifying story I've probably ever heard. She told me that they uh, they stopped the truck and they had cats. Not oh, one of them. Not two. Not three. They had four cats. And the top bunk was a giant, and I mean giant, litter box. Ew. Okay. And, yeah. And, and uh, oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. They had just had McDonald's. Right, and the, the the burgers, the Big Macs are sitting on 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 the dash, and they they got they got they got cat hair in between the burgers. Oh. <laughs> That's so nasty. I mean, I've traveled that, with oh I've traveled God. with three dogs and my son. I even had one of our one of my dogs have her puppies on the way back from Chicago. <clears throat> just a few hours out of Calgary, and she couldn't hold it anymore. Oh yeah, but we I know mean, that story. That was, yeah. we heard that on a podcast. But yeah. here's here's the, 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 the to add that part. So they had three DOT officers come in there to try to get the E lock, right? And they, they're all <laughs> just gagging. They're all oh, just yeah. gagging, and like they're just ready to die, right? But can you imagine driving? With a giant litter box on the top of your bunk with four Never cats. Tried, and you're sleeping underneath that. Uh, oh, there's Fluffy. There's Fluffy. Fluffy's up there doing your business. Thank you, Fluffy. Doing you're a good girl. You're a good girl. Yeah, Come on. Just kick it down on. <laughs> uh, uh. We had a guy. <laughs> I, I had to go and pick up a truck, and uh, the guy did the same thing. Filled the top bunk with kitty litter.
that song People was uh was a pretty amazing song, eh? Can she scream or what? Yeah, she can for sure. She's got and she does scream. this. She heard it, but she she does it, and now she's over sixty. I'm not gonna say her age exactly, but because um, I know she'd be listening in on this podcast. But anyway, uh, Darby does it in such a way that she still can do it, and uh, she's called a belter. And belters generally don't last that long, do they, Jay? No. no. So anyway, yeah, carry on. Will with your topic. Really hard. This, this is going right off of my uh, my random topics. Can anyone guess? Okay, there, there, there's a list of 57 items that were just released. Okay, can anybody guess what the most expensive uh, food at the Stampede is going to be? I would have to tell you, it's probably going to be some weird cricket burger, something <laughs> <freaky laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, probably, eh? Probably yeah. going to be up around the $25 mark or more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I hate to inform you, but they are now selling a $100 dog, which is a jalapeno cheddar gut buster, is what it's called. This thing is 12 inches long with Wagyu and uh, LT. And it's been, oh, that's why. It's, it's been marinated in a 2010 Lokio Mount Veter uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't pronounce that. But yeah, it, it was marinated for five days in this. And they also have some uh, pretty weird um, foods coming down this year, uh, including, but not limited to, a gator dog. So I, I, uh, a hot dog that's obviously made of uh, alligator. I don't know why, why they would have this next one, which is a neon dog which is basically uh, red food coloring and blue food coloring. But there was one in particular that caught my eye, and it's because I, I like, like me and myself, I love pickles, okay? Um, peanut, uh, this thing is called a peanut butter pickle dog, okay? This thing is a hot dog injected into um, a pickle, and then there's like, I don't know, this, this uh, jam drizzle or whatever. Oh, my God, it, it, it looks so good. But man, it wouldn't be the stampede hey, Will, without. Hang on, hang on, Will. Okay. I just gotta ask. I gotta tell you something. Did, did I ever tell you? This is on, on in lieu of your topic. When I got the real rare disease called pickleitis. <laughs> what? Uh, uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know that stopped me in your tracks. I was I was ten years old, and I loved 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 dill pickles. Loved them. Loved them. And I ate a whole jar of dill pickles, and I was so, so sick. And they're in the hospital, and I'll never forget it. And the doctor goes, well, Mrs. Wade, I got some really bad news for you. She goes, oh, doctor, tell me, tell me what's happening to Brian. She goes, he has pickleitis. And... She goes, what is pickleitis? And and they didn't they didn't know really what it was. So they came up with a disease for me at ten years old called pickleitis from eating too much pickles and the vinegar and the uh, garlic in it basically caused the reaction that I had, which was sick as a dog. Toxicity, toxicity yeah. Well, that makes yeah. sense, right? So you were, I have the dubious honor of getting pickleitis. <laughs> Sounds like a manly issue. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, yeah, because like my 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 mind went from here to there, and you know, gone. 
but <laughs> wow okay uh that's that's pretty interesting so i i'm I'm only gonna touch on one more food after that story because that that's man you you know what I, I used to eat pickles by the jar and then and, and then i would drink the pickle juice so good man and uh, uh, i would get the one no 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 and, you're oh gonna get pickleitis will yeah. come on you might be the first in alberta but you gotta get away from that pickleitis buddy yeah <laughs> who the hell oh spend a hundred bucks on a goddamn hot dog um yeah i i don't know because usually hot it's dogs it's the are, wagyu beef yeah but but he, That's, even at that unless it's like actual wagyu like 100 percent certified from, from china or, or no I, I think it's like korea or something it, uh, unless it's like certified and and whatever hot dogs are, are you thinking about it hot dogs your average hot dog is the, the entrails or whatever you know the butcher cuts what's off. an asshole man what's an asshole well i mean they got they got wagyu beef farms here in alberta not that it's going to have to come all the way from there. Well, well, I do not. True Wagyu, you, you can't buy locally. I, I mean, I mean, if it's, you know, packaged and sold here, yeah, you can buy it locally. But True Wagyu is not uh, bred in, in, in Canada or, or the United States. It's usually bred in places like China and Korea. And, and they usually, like, I don't know, they, they, they even have these, these, these weird things that they do with these animals, which is, like, this weird massage. I don't know if you've seen... Um, I, I really don't want to give him any credit for this, but um, I, I, don't, I don't know if any, any of you have seen the video of Salt Bay giving a massage to the Wagyu. Uh, uh, man, oh my God. Anyways, um, some of them... I don't even know what a Wagyu is. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's basically like your finest, your your very finest cut of steak. It's like, I, I think it's something like 80% fat. It, it it is the most marbled steak you could ever have oh, in your okay. life. Oh, okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's 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 it kind of just like melts in your mouth. Yeah, it's um, it's really well marbled. Yeah, it's like the 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 most tender beef you can get. Okay. Yeah, for, and for yeah, I, there are there are farms that actually have imported wagyu cows. Yeah, so they do have they do have them here. It's very expensive though. It's like like. Uh, comparatively to Walmart, like like you go to Walmart right now, you can get like two steaks for what twenty twenty five bucks. Um, if you're talking wag uh, you, you're you're looking at like fifty to a hundred dollars per steak, and that's for ones that are like uh, this size, whatever. But yeah, it's like it's like a tomahawk steak, right? Can you like okay? So anyways, we're gonna move on to. Uh, what I as one of the worst foods that 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 they're gonna be serving there, and I mean, if you like ketchup and you like mustard, you might be cool with this. But it's uh, they 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 have uh two kinds. They have a ketchup and a mustard flavored ice cream. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just, I uh, saw something about that. That's um, um, that is like I I I don't know. I saw that and I I like I have to talk about that because like. I mean, yeah, you got ketchup chips, but ketchup isn't isn't like you know some some hot sauces. It doesn't go on everything. You know what I mean? Oh no! <laughs> yeah. And I'm a ketchupaholic, and no, ketchup and mustard yeah. don't belong on ice ice cream. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not only is is the mustard ice cream yellow, but it tastes has a it's supposed to have a tangy, delicious 
Uh, well, yeah, because it's got vinegar in it. <laughs> but but they, think about this. If they actually made it to a point where it was yummy, your whole perception of mustard and ketchup would change in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? That's I, I, I don't know if I'm willing to explore that road right now. <laughs> so what next? Mayonnaise popsicles? <laughs> uh, or like lemon... Uh, well, I, I would say lemon donuts. They already got that. Um, I like. Uh, I, I'm more. I'm, I'm more akin to the mayonnaise popsicles. Ooh, yum! <laughs> <laughs> Peanut butter. Pepsi. Wow. Uh, yeah. 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 There is one thing I do not understand. What people? Why people like this? I have to throw this in. Nutella. What? Is up oh, with that. That's just that's good. You know what that reminds me of? What what I, what I dropped in the bidet? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, it well, look. <laughs> you, you know what? If if, if your drop induces like 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 Nutella, man, I I would go get yeah. checked by a doctor. You need to solidify yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is running downhill really fast. Pardon the pun. <laughs> oh, man, you just went, went from bad to worse. All right, so we're going to get back to one more song before my last topic, Urban Legends of the United States, and then we're going to reveal our mystery guest. So, um, of course, this is a great song, and, Jay, I'm sure you've heard it. Everybody has. It's called Celebration from the Headpins and Darby Mills lead sing.
great song from Darby Mills of the Headpins, formerly, and of course she's got a new uh, project called the Darby Mills Project, which you will hear part three coming up on visit number 31 at the end of the podcast here. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the urban legends in the United States. Last week I got really, really enthused with um, the Black Angels. So I'm going to carry on with a few of them here. Um, One is called the Devil's Chair, and it's in Alma, Kansas. Uh, Once an old farmer refused to sell his land to the city in order to build a new cemetery. Someone got a little tired of waiting for the farmer to sell, so the old farmer was basically knocked off. He's pushed into his well, and um, and then someone basically found out uh, a while later that there's this terrible smell coming from the well. So the city sent someone to see what was in the well, but they found nothing. So if you make your way to the Alma Cemetery, you can actually still find the boarded up well. Apparently, people who sit on the well have been known to soon disappear. Okay, the next one is the Goat Man of Pope Lake, Kentucky. Okay, there's really no clear census on how the Goat Man came to be. Some say he may have been a um, kind of a, a lascivious form in a freak show that was exiled because of his hideous looks. Others say he was a farmer who tortured his goats for Satan. In return, he was transformed into a hideous goat master. And everyone agrees on his appearance. He has dark fur, he has pale skin, goat legs, and horns. Okay, And um, the monster is said to hide under the bridge at Pope, Pope Lick uh, Creek in Louisville, Kentucky. And here what he does is he lures people onto the train tracks only to see them be hit by oncoming trains and smashed to smithereens. This legend actually came true in 2016 after an Ohio woman fell to her death from the bridge while looking for the goat man. Okay, here's my last one. It's called The Grunch, not Grinch, The Grunch of East New Orleans. Okay, Grunch Road is an old dirt road that lends itself deep into the woods and eventually to a dead end. Originally, it was a favorite place for teenagers to hang out in until they learned about the Grunch. The Grunch, once rumored to be a group of deformed, half-human, half-monsters, resulted in inbreeding and years of, uh, well, doing stuff in the Louisiana bayous that we won't talk about. Today, if you find yourself on Grunch Road, don't even get out of your car, especially if you see any goats or deer who look injured. The stories say the Grunch will bait you with these animals to lure people out of their cars. Then they knock them out, eat them, and drain their blood. Their bones end up in the swamp for the gators to eat. There is no actual evidence that the Grunch would have killed anybody. Crazy, huh? Next week, the mysterious stain, okay, I said stain, on Colonel Jonathan Back's tomb in Bucksport, Maine. Yes, I've actually read about that. That is very cool. It is creepy, isn't it? It is. You, you look at you look at the, the stain, and they can never get rid of it. Yeah, that's, that's all I'll say. Keep yeah. coming back. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, Motorhead Mark could make it tonight. Uh, we might get him to fill in uh, his part on the podcast later on, so you might, you'll still hear him. And um, we're very, very proud to announce our latest uh, podcaster to the program. Okay. She is known as the Pink Bombshell. Pink 
tell us a little bit about yourself and what the highway freaks out there can expect in the coming weeks. Hey, freaks. I am your ice dropper tonight, and but my name is the Pink Bombshell. You may call me Pink for short, but well, first off, I want to say thank you, Brian, for the opportunity to be part of this amazing show with the Rose <laughs> Crew. Just a little about myself, I'm a 41-year-old biracial female residing in Washington, D.C., USA. I am an experienced live streamer for over five years, talk show host for about two years on one of the most popular dating apps. I have a solid base of 44,000 fans on that platform, plus my other social media platforms. My viewership has been steadily climbing every My shows are centered about around a diverse set of topics ranging from dating topics, marriage, social issues, and personal growth. My shows attract a range of viewers from all walks of life, from young people, seasoned, experienced adults, people in the U.S. and all over the world. I must tell you, my experience doing these shows has been entertaining and rewarding in many ways. What do I do in real life, you say? For the last 18 years, I'm a deputy CEO for a nonprofit marketing firm and a part-time lecturer, speaker, and writer. I'm single, no kids, and for a number of reasons, I have no pets. <laughs> That's it for now. I'm sure we'll have more chances to get to know me. Feel free to follow me on IG at thepinkbombshell.live. Again, I'm thrilled to be part of the show with the road crew, and of course, you are a wonderful treat. Back to you. Thank you. Thank you, Pink. And of course, the last part of the show before we get into Bry Guy's dual one on one bandwagon is Pylon Shoutout. And we have some interesting ones tonight, don't we, Jay? I really want to hear yours. I'll bet you do. <laughs> I I'll really bet you want to hear yours. <laughs> yes, you do. Okay, so, uh, hey, well, I've got a black. Pylon shout out. Okay. Okay. Um, I was crossing the border today at uh, Ridgeway, Saskatchewan, and this border guard decided to make my day quite uh, interesting. He strip searched my truck and he basically tore everything, including Bandit's bed. And everybody knows that they touch Bandit's bed. That is bad news. Okay. Um, it was hilarious, though. I got to say, it was funny when Bandit was smashing himself against this wonderful East Indian young man that was wearing a turban. And it was just so comical. And he thought Bandit was just a cat's meow. So that, I got to give him a great shout out for accommodating my boy. Okay. And I give another good shout out to the border guard that actually went out of her way to get Bandit a treat. Okay. I realized the guy was doing his job. I get that. But he went a little above and beyond. And after 120 questions that we played, he started to really get on my nerves. Okay. I bit my tongue hard and I mean hard, but he still deserves the black pylon shout out. So that's all I'm going to say to that. Okay. But I will give a very, very joyous, absolutely thrilling pink, red pylon shout out again to the Senex people that had the most wonderful bathroom apparatus I have ever put my fanny on. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to hear, we're going to be hearing about that, hear about the shitter for a week. 
you make good entertainers, models, actors, designers, musicians, singers, comedians, or any type of stage performing. Okay, you shine in the world of cosmetology, hairdressing, fashion. And I love this one: jewelry design. Okay, the reason is simple: you want the world to look better in your eyes. Okay, you don't do well with a standard nine to five type of job. You're definitely like me. I, I don't like working under people, and um, you are, are definitely that. Uh, your mind moves so quickly, and you get frustrated by slow thinkers. And um, some some of the introverts I've I've listened to, that's true. That's true, man. You can tell you get agitated by some of the stupid shit he asked, right? over the years. Um, you can be domineering if you're in charge, Darby. Is that possible? <laughs> um, and you can see more manic depressives experience intense mood swings if you're not using your God-given talent. Okay? And, of course, you certainly have over the years. Okay? Uh, well, by the way, um, on another subject, did you know that you were nominated for Canada's Walk of Fame? I was nominated, yeah, well, quite a few years ago. Um, didn't get one. Okay. But um, uh, the nomination is, is quite a statement and a feather in the cap, for sure. It's, it's good in itself, eh? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. Okay. Um, you also have to learn to bite your tongue, which would mm -hmm. be wise. Um, one of the gifts a three possesses is to take an adverse condition and then flip it around to the benefit of themselves and others would do quite well. Um, you do learn from adversity, but intuitively you understand that sometimes you have to go through the negatives to get to the positive, and, and sometimes in our conversations, I have certainly picked up on that from you. Um, and you use humor to get through the bad days, and laughter is what saves you. And um, I'm here to say that uh, if you have conversations in your relationship, and you can always laugh, like my wife and I always laugh at the stupidest stuff. And... Um, uh, we're almost approaching 30 years as well. We must be doing something right I'm now. Four, I'm 40, though. <laughs> 40 years. <laughs> yes, you are. You're, you're, you're into it for four decades. Ten more years, yes. I, yeah, I'm yeah. In, in the same bedroom as that guy for 40, actually 42 years, if you consider the two years prior. Well, That's crazy. I, it is. It is. Well, I, I jokingly like to say I sleep with a senior citizen because my wife is eight years older than me, my girl. <laughs> so um, your attitude, I love this. You're, you are a six attitude, okay? And immediately, that means you're a nurturer. Uh, you take care of everybody else, okay? You're always the one in charge, but you, you don't want to be telling uh, him or her uh, how, to, how to be in charge, so you stay in charge. Okay, uh, you feel most useful when things are out of control and you want to fix it. How crazy is that? So when things are just barreling at 100 miles an hour down the wrong road, you think that's great and you want to fix that. Okay, and I'm sure that's happened in your life. Uh, if it's peaceful, you don't know what to do with yourself. Now, that's an interesting thing. Do you, do you agree or disagree with that statement? Uh, you know, the, the sixth thing, I'm not sure where you got the six from. I don't know. Um, some of it sounds like my my past uh, or okay. or present, whatever. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you got the right number there. But it's all good. <laughs> well, well, how you get the six? Okay, you take your birth date. Okay, all right. Which your birth date is December third, right? Yes. Okay. 
three plus three is six, and that's why you're a six attitude. So um, it doesn't mean that you might not be a six attitude now. It might mean that you are six attitude four. Okay. And last but not least, you're great with children. You're great with running a business. Uh, when you enter a room, people are drawn to you like a moth to a flame, and that obviously would speak well from your stage presence because you you can bring a crowd in faster than people can blink their eyes, right? You're, you're, you're that fine. You're that good. No, no, you are. Like, I, mean, I put you on the lines of Pat Benatar. I really do. Like, I mean, and, and she had an amazing voice. So, um, and just recently, I got an amazing comment from one of my people. They said, yeah, she kind of sounds like Cher, and I really like Cher, so I think I'm going to be buying your CD. So, um, I think that's a really cool compliment. Who, who sounds like Cher? Pat Benatar? No, no, no. No, no, one of my people uh, from Highway Freak said that you kind of remind her of Cher. You know, strangely enough, Cher has been a massively huge influence on my childhood. Sunny, really? The Sunny and Cher show. Okay. Um, and I've posted pictures of the two of us uh, on, on my social media platforms before that, looking at each other, two different pictures, but basically yeah. it, it, it fooled me. I thought a picture of Cher was me one day. I'm like, Oh, what, what picture is that? I'm like, Oh my God, it's Cher. Um, I have, I used to dream about Cher and flying with Cher. It's, um, that's, that's strange that that should come up. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It, 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 well, um, sometimes the universe dictates things that we just don't understand at the time. Um, mm. I never thought for one minute that I, I would be doing a podcast as a long haul truck driver. It's just crazy. It just it makes no sense, right? Prior to that, for two years, I was painting rocks. I painted over 300 rocks during the pandemic, and I hid the damn things. My well, my dog did. I was taking pictures uh, of of him hiding them. I would I position them in, in very scientific ways, but. Um, uh, yeah, I got, I got very much into painting rocks, and I couldn't paint to save my life in, in high school. So it's really weird how things happen. Um, I do want to get into the Never Look Back album because, oh, I love that. I have played that probably 15 times since our last conversation. And prior to that, I think I played it probably about four. I would be driving at night because um, I have to drive at night because I, I don't get my hours back till midnight when I hit my 70s. So there I am listening to your album and uh i am the more that i hear it the more that i like it and there's certain songs that just stand out that i go oh like want it okay just hey if there was an anthem song that defies you that that's a cool song that's a really cool song i i really like it i really like want it um i just wanted to go through some of these songs that are on there um never look back like what a true rock ballad and your voice is like sweet as honey like i my god it sounds so 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 good um uh the the other ones that are on there uh like uh, there's so many rock ballads but but there's one that stands out and steven tyler Smith gave you some huge huge uh accolades bad bad boy right yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I'm going to take them as fact because they were told to me by a gentleman who uh, apparently was uh, in the uh, presence uh, of uh, Stephen while filming 
a video of his, and apparently he played Bad Bad Boy to Stephen, and the comment was, that's a hit. Uh-huh. And, and it is, if you can just get it on the damn radio. Well, like, radio radio's not radio anymore anyway. There's a there's, there's slim chance of that ever happening. It's I believe how things work now is you want to get it on playlists on uh, streaming services. Um, just... Uh-huh. It, it, yeah, it's a whole, it's a new business, and um, us old guys are at a bit of a disadvantage because we didn't grow up knowing how that part of the business works. Whereas kids and and those of those of us, of us older ones who paid attention when it first started, they have it all figured out. But um, yeah, it's it's a different world, and getting a song to the public's ear is uh, a whole new a whole new adventure. In, in today's age, it is. It definitely is. I mean, uh, a lot of these '80s bands that I'm identifying with and uh, reuniting with, with some of them, uh, the first thing they're saying is, you know, we we got this new song out. Like Fist. Fist is a very good example. Fist just put out Alive, and I, I don't know if you've heard it, but wow, what a different um, uh, take. For, for Fist to, to come up with songs like uh, War uh, remake and um, you know Joan Osborne's uh, John Joan Osborne's song One of Us, which I never thought I would ever see the lead singer Ron Chenier singing a song like that. But my God, did he ever make it his? Uh, like some of the songs that you have back on Never Look Back, Flying Solo, uh, you have uh, Hot Water, great dance tune, uh, Monkey, which. I didn't know what it was about until I started listening to the lyrics, and now I get it. So I don't have to you. Watch, you, you should watch the video for Monkey, and you'll get it even more. <laughs> I did. I did watch your video. Ah, I, okay. Yeah, you bet. I did so. Um, run, great rock ballad again. Uh, uh, I love the harmonica on Bad Bad Boy. I believe that's a harmonica I'm hearing. It um, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Do you sing that? Do you, use, you don't do the harmonica yourself, though, right? No, and you know what? At the start of COVID, I went and bought a harmonica because I'm like, yeah, if I'm stuck here, I uh, I might as well learn how to play the harmonica and, and perhaps be able to do that at the shows. And I um, went on the Internet and checked out some uh, how-to videos. And when I realized the fact that you have to stick your mouth on that thing and you have to kind of drool into it and slobber on it, I nice. was like, you know what? Um, I'm good. We were wearing masks and we were so scared to be in anyone's general uh, spittle uh, presence that I just was like, this is grossing me out right now. So I never, and it was like 80 bucks for the harmonica too. So maybe one day, maybe now that things are uh, a little bit more, um, Oh, real, that's the wrong word to use, but uh, now that we're not so worried about dying with COVID, um, I might I might attempt to do that again, but yeah. Right, right. And one thing you're very big on is Taekwondo, I, I see. And um, can you give me some Taekwondo's and don'ts, Darby? <laughs> um, mm. Uh, no, don't get into a fight. Um, that's that's uh, the wonderful part of at least the community of Taekwondo that I and my family were involved in. It was basically you don't ever throw the first punch or first hand knife. Um, it, 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 that 
that came about, I, I always did want to uh, as a child. Uh, I always thought the Jackie Chan movies and stuff would be so cool uh, I, I, uh, to be able to do all that. But uh, it wasn't until my first son was born and he was just one of those body types that is tall and skinny, no body weight on him at all, and um, a real talker. And I figured he's going to talk himself into and hopefully out of a few situations because he was such a talker. And so I drugged him at five, or maybe he was six, into uh, the key taekwondo here in Vernon. And in tow was my one-year-old. And um, I just sat there three, sometimes four times a week, watching him do the beginner taekwondo and go and go. And the one-year-old, by the time he was three, at three and a half, he enrolled. And by grade three, he was a black belt whereas my oldest was now a second-level Dan. And by year four, I was told to either shut up or get on the floor because I was a hockey mom and yelling when the kids weren't paying attention. I'd yell at them. I was a pretty strict mom. And uh, so, yeah, I tripped and stumbled kind of onto the floor myself and ended up in the 12 years we were part of the community. I had taught for seven or eight of them as a black belt. And, um, yeah, pretty much... Over the seven years I was a teacher, probably taught up to four to five hundred students. Any any serious injuries for you? I did. I broke my foot while attempting to get my black belt or my pre-black chodan, um, uh, and I will suffer with that injury for the rest of my life. I, I broke the talus bone in my foot, which will never heal properly. So, yeah, that really sucked because I loved yeah. the jumps and the spin jumps and all that. As a figure skater, I was pretty good at them, and uh, I no longer had a left a left foot that, that I could jump off of. Uh, so Taekwondo kind of came to a, a, a sad end for me, because I just could no longer be at the level uh, that I was before breaking my foot. So Yeah, so I was watching the TELUS uh, documentary, which just... That one is really, really probably one of the best documentaries out there that they did for you. And uh, it shows that, you know, you're, you're getting yourself in shape and it mentions these things. And and um, the thing that really touched me um, is uh, when they were talking about your husband and, you know, he's at the golf uh, store and he's like one, one day a week, I believe it was. And um, then uh, it's mentioned that he had a heart attack and actually died in your driveway. How did what happened there? Uh, exactly that. He he. Um, I was just taking out our younger son out to his job at a golf course. Of course, there's a lot of golf in our family, and uh, I got a call from Brian, and he said, "I'm not feeling very good. Can you come home?" And I'm like, "Okay." And dropped my son off at the golf course. It was about 15 minutes away from our house, and on the I just in his voice I could hear that. Something wasn't right, so I called 911 and I said, I think my husband's in uh, bad shape. I'm not sure what it is, possibly heart attack, whatever, but here's my address. Would you would you meet me there? I'm on my way home. And by the time I got here, the ambulance was here. He was on the green. And, uh, yeah, in fact, it turned out that he was having a heart attack. He They put him on the gurney, put him in the ambulance. They started to drive away, and then they stopped. And I'm like, okay, what? What happened? Well, he had flatlined, and they broke 10 ribs with compressions, getting his heart to start again, and got him to the hospital. And yeah, he uh, he went through he went through that, and uh, you know the story goes on, but we don't have to share it all. But anyway, so 
that's that's it was at that my mom had passed away six months earlier and then that happened to Brian and that's pretty much the day I decided I'm sitting here struggling again with the headpins with uh, as you said it the number six trying to be in control uh, or trying to have any control whatsoever um, and the band was happy just reliving the headpins every night and I'm like I, I have more to give I, I'm more creative I I I'm tired of singing at the top of my lungs all the time. I do have a sensual voice. I do have a melodic voice. If I could just get some songs in there to do, like, why don't we do some of the songs from Never Look Back? And um, they were like, that's not Hippins. And it's like, no, but it's me. And we're looking for tunes, aren't we? And uh, yeah, it was basically, they just, they, they didn't want to do that. And when I almost lost my husband, I just went, what? If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I'm really, really unhappy in the situation that the, that I was in with the pins. So right. I just said, it's time. I'm not getting any younger. And um, it's time I took the wheel and drove myself. And uh, there's been major consequences to it. But I'm also really proud of all the things that I have managed to with a great group of players that I've got in in uh, the project right now to get a whole bunch of new stuff done. We've got new songs coming out. We've got um, the second European single is uh, the video's done. I'm just waiting for the mastering to be finished over in Europe. When they send it to me, we'll be releasing that. So that's six, seven new songs and since the projects come together. And um, it just feels really good to show that... Um, I have more to give, and there's more to me than than turn it loud. You know, oh, oh, absolutely. there is, there is definitely. I mean, you you reinvent yourself with the Darby Mills Project. Uh, you did a live CD, uh, a piece of my heart, Janis Joplin. I I think you literally brought her back from the grave. Not a <laughs> not a word of a lie. Um, Brother Louie from the stories. Uh, never never heard anybody do such a rendition of that. So. Um, Rock, jazzy, blues is what I'll call that. Uh, then she did Hair of the Dog. Uh, one of my all-time favorite bands was Nazareth before you. Sorry, I don't want to upset you, but that's true. <laughs> I mean, there was Dan McCafferty, and I said, that guy's voice, and, you know, being a teenager and listening to that stuff. Oh, and, But you did Natural Woman, and you channeled the soulful black with you. And... Um, I really like some of that stuff you do. I, I would like to hear more of those remakes because not only can you pull them off, you just, you just make those songs yours. And uh, um, that's that's so so important. Like uh, recently I was just listening, uh, watching Canada's Got Talent. And um, I'm really kind of upset actually because the people they have on there for judges, I, I think you should be on the panel, like frankly. Like there's, there's one lady, I'm not going to mention her name, um, and I'm certainly not going to mention Howie, because uh, Howie's always on America's Got Talent. But what's your opinion of these shows? Um, do you think they're they're good, or do you think that they are, they're not good well, when it comes to the singing aspect? Um, I watch The Voice um, every season. I've watched The Voice. It's going to be different without um, what's his name on there now. Or well, I think he's on this season, but this is his last. Okay. But anyway, um, I'm blown away by some of the talent that that sh shows up. I mean, some of them are, are average, but um, you know what? A, a leg up is a wonderful thing. You still have to be able to get up on stage every night and commit to the performance 
Uh, living on the road is a whole different ball game. It's probably good to start young to be able to recover because these days I can't recover in 10 hours or eight hours or three hours of sleep and then a, a plane ride. Uh, I can't do that anymore. I'm just beyond that. So if they're lucky enough to have the career once they get the notoriety from a show like that, if they're if they're strong enough and luck, lucky enough, if the cards all end up showing what needs to be shown, um, good on them. I'm a Justin Bieber fan, strangely enough. To some, they might say, well, really? and I'm like... That kid came, he was a child. He was a child when this came at him. And just like the children actors of my childhood that ended up becoming drug afflicted, and it can mess with you. So when he turned into being a bit of a bad boy, everybody criticized him for that. And it's kind of like, but... That's what they told David Cassidy to do to get out of the squeaky clean. That's what the business is. You got to be dirty. You know, you got to, there's got to be sex, something sexy involved. There's got, so it's kind of, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you got the talent and you can get out there and, and hang with the, with the curse that comes of being a traveling soul, then all the power to them. You know, it's the ones that don't have the ability that get out there and succeed that drives me crazy. But, okay, what can you do? (laughs) Exactly. And we would be remiss, Darby, if we could not end the show on a wardrobe malfunction story. Which I know, I know you have one. Do you want to tell us about it? What? The one where I got my hair stuck in the mic or the one where I ripped my pants open? Well, I didn't which, hear about them. I didn't. I didn't hear. Well, tell us both. Oh, well, which incidentally, Katy Perry just had happened on on America's Got Talent at the end of the line, right after she had her baby. Her pants uh, split wide open, just as mine did. So I thought, well, there you go. Even the richest of the rich have uh, have those kind of issues. But uh, not just uh, worked for three, four years during the Taekwondo years and stuff, just to get my. My six-pack actually looked like a six-pack. I worked so hard getting that together and had a pair of low-riser pleather, not leather, pleather pants that I was working very hard to get into so that I didn't have a muffin top going on. And I achieved it. I did it. It was done. I could wear these pants on stage and be proud of my body and all the work I did took them to the very first show, which was a family show in northern Alberta. It might have been Cold Lake or something. And it was a very, very high stage. Basically, you were at people's chin level. That's how high the stage was. So uh, we're ready to play a family show. So there were kids in the audience. And I I bought a long floor-length sweater just because I knew, you know what, I've never worn these pants on stage before. Um, Be safe. So just before we got the five-minute stage call, I kind of bent over and looked in the mirror in the dressing room and went, you know what, I'm wearing T-bar underwear, and that's, for a family show, that's a little, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm risking, I don't have to, you know, be a good mom. So I went and took them off, and you couldn't have anything else on because the pants were so low-rise, and I put 
my sweater on so I was safe. Walked on the stage, me, sorry, I'm just picking up my puppy dog, sorry, and uh, the announcer, the head pins, and I'm standing directly in front of the drummer, facing the drummer, so my back is to the crowd, and did the first bang, and I bent down really low and did a guitar bang, and heard and felt and right from the knot center of the crotch of the pants, right up to the bent bu- belt buckle, the pants ripped wide open. So had I not done the two things that I did just before coming onto the stage, I'd be... <laughs> anyway. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. Proceeded to do, yeah, the whole show. I kind of envisioned turn it loud and... Uh... <laughs> that's what you're kind of splitting your pants with. That's kind of how I envisioned it, but that's good. That's a good cover-up. So, yeah. so proceeded to do the rest of the show with my knees locked together because people were looking straight up. <laughs> oh, no. So I, I couldn't do any rock poses. Literally, I was shuffling that whole the whole set. And I didn't have any pants to change into for the guitar solo. I had to stay in those clothes. So, yeah, uh, I did I did later go and, and uh, buy a hide of leather and went to a lady and had pants remade out of actual leather with reinforced seams <laughs> and and proudly wear, wear those pants, although COVID has, has helped to uh, increase my six-pack. It's more like a gallon now. <laughs> wow, right, right, right. <laughs> a jug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the the Darby Mills project has no tour dates, from what I understand. We've got nothing on paper at this point, um, so that's that's uh, unfortunate. I I'm I'm hoping that a few of these calls that we're negotiating with right now actually come through. But it's been a, a tough run. Uh, I'm still having to compete with my form, former band for once they've been there, they don't want to book me, right? Because I'm, I'm still doing a head song. So uh, it's it's been a tough run to some extent, but um, you know what? I'm not giving up. I've got yet another project in, involving the project, but it will be running under a different name called True Story. And uh, we'll be hitting... Uh, I don't want to give too much away because it's not set in stone yet, so I don't want to jinx it by going public before it's time, but I'm excited about this. I've got uh, I got a lot of work to put this, this thing together, and I'm sitting at my computer as we speak right now, starting with some of the uh, things that have to be done. So I'm excited for that. I think it's a great new adventure that um, I'm really excited about. And again, crossing our fingers, when one door closes, hopefully another one opens. So uh, what can you do but keep trying, right? Well, we wish we wish you all the best on that. Um, I recently put Trick of the Light up on my site for you because uh, I love I love the video. Um, I do want to ask you uh, the last question, uh, and this is something I don't know if you've ever been asked about. What is this deal about you endorsing sneakers? This is what I heard uh, on one of the when I googled it. Uh, they they said that you had some deal with Easy Sneakers. What what's that about? Is that I have no idea. <laughs> That's, it could that be another Darby Mills. Yeah. No, no, it was, it was actually on on Google. Um, it was, and uh, I thought, thought I'd ask you about that. So, okay, well, that answers that question. That answers that. Yeah. And, yeah. and the last last thing, what is Trick of the Light? What is the song about? 
Uh, you know what? Um, I'm a guest singer on that. That came from an album called Garden of Friends, okay. and it's a European label who uh, bring in A-listers to play on these tracks and um, and, and found me uh, last year ago that, that they connected with me and, and sent me Trick of the Light and said, would you like to sing this song? Um, you know, and there's a financial deal going on with it, and uh-huh. it, y- Europe... Europe is still such a rock uh, avenue. Um, they still like to rock and roll over there, whereas here, um, not Canada, not so much. So it's it's been wonderful to be introduced again to the European market, and uh, I am also just waiting for the mastered version of a new song from that very company, Ford Circle of Friends 2, which uh, I've just finished the video video for that as well, and it's just kicking. And so um, that's going to be coming out in Europe as well. You know, again, just putting as many pokers in as many fires as possible is pretty much what you have to do these days. You you just can't have one gig, one job anymore. Um, it just it just doesn't. Uh, doesn't work out that way anymore. So uh, got lots of things going on, and just uh, yeah, trying to stay positive, like a like a like a six, if that's what a six is, and uh, like a three, doing as many things um, to keep well, me from going crazy. You're more of a yeah. three than a six. Yeah. Well, and I like agree. I said, yeah, and, yeah, and your jewelry. Forgot about that. Um, can you tell us a little bit of that, about that before we finish? Um, kind of tripped and fell into that as well. After my mom passed, I got handed a black magic chocolate box with rocks I had collected as a child on that lake that my dad would sing at. And um, they were just beautiful rocks to me. No one else would appreciate them. But I made a necklace just uh, while I was at home nursing my husband back from his heart attack. I went downstairs just trying to keep myself busy and... Uh, Put uh, put some leather around it, wrapped it, whatever, and was wearing it, and had a girlfriend say, "Wow, I really like that." And I'm like, "Oh, I can make you one." I've got so I made another one, and same thing, and I made another one, and made another one, and somebody offered me money for one, and um, I am now upwards of 600 uh, pieces of jewelry that I've made, and uh, most of them sold, a lot of them donated to charities. Which I'm not advertising, <laughs> but um, that's something that I can give to a charity uh, for them to raise money. So I'm really proud of the fact that this is, and, and grateful because as a three, like you say, it's kept my creative juices flowing. And yes, if I'm not doing something creative, I do go stir crazy. I do lose it. So I'm I'm very grateful that the universe brought this to me when it did. And it has kept me from absolutely going crazy with COVID and everything else that's come at us the last four or five years. So for our freaks uh, that are, you know, listening to this podcast, Darby, uh, where can they go to get Darby uh, Mills? merchandise and um you know maybe some of your your music uh can you get, let them know what that is uh yeah i have a website uh darbymills.com simple and um all the videos and lots of pictures from the past and um a history a couple bios uh and a merch page and a jewelry page is on there i right now there's nothing on there for sale i don't um, every piece is 
handcrafted and a one of a kind. So when I do a line of jewelry, I do 10 to 15 pieces, put them on, and I'm so grateful. But usually within 48 hours, they're all gone. So I released a line uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago maybe, and yeah, they're all gone. Thank you. Um, so the next stretch, because I've got so much new music and video-wise coming, I'm not sure when I'll have another line of jewelry out. But um, I do do custom orders. Um so if somebody sees something that they really like, they can connect with me um, either from the website or on uh, Facebook. Uh, where I do the jewelry on Facebook is Darby Mills' A ah, Voice, not The Voice, A ah, Voice, which was, I went to school to learn how to use a Facebook page. And the idea was, uh, what, what do you need to say? And A and ah, Voice was a place to communicate strangely enough. So uh, that's why it's called Darby Mills of Voice, a place to communicate. And it's been, it's turned into basically where I, I sell the jewelry on Facebook anyway. So, or at least communicate the jewelry. So blah, 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 add, 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 sell, sell, sell. There you go. Part of that sales lady again. There you go. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's 90 minutes just Never enough, unfortunately. But maybe down the road we can have you on again and we could talk about some other things. We we tried to cover as much as we could and, and as, you know, as the time would allot. Uh, but um, we're looking forward to definitely seeing all this new stuff coming out from you. Um, you've made me a bigger fan than I was before. Uh, you know, prior to that, I was pretty much head pins. I'm not going to lie to you, but... I'm now more like Darby Mills fan, so uh, you, you certainly opened my eyes to a lot of things, and and um, I really appreciate that. And, and your openness and your honesty is is obviously what has shown through. So, uh, congratulations on everything that's happening. Uh, I wish your husband better health uh, as well, and um, hopefully down the road we'll uh, we'll connect with you on uh, maybe a higher. Uh, plane on um, some of the things that you're doing, and uh, who knows, maybe we can get out and see you touring uh, as the Dar Darby Mills Project once again. Maybe not in the great bus, but uh, maybe in the minivan, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's been, it's been wonderful pleasure. talking to you, uh, Brian. Uh, awesome. Thanks for connecting, and all the best. You drive safe, all right? Yes, I certainly will, and, and you stay safe, and um, if you golf, don't shank it. No, I'm a slicer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I play whack shit. Whack <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. You have yourself a spring day. We'll talk to you down the road. Awesome. Take care. Yeah, you too.
Welcome to Bright Guys One-on-One Bandwagon. I'm your host, 
And tonight's special guest is Drew Arnott from the award-winning band Strange Advance, who have kind of made a resurgence uh, lately. Um, they're a great 80s band, and uh, they actually won a couple Junos. Is that not right, Drew? It is not. Uh, we were nominated for two Junos. Uh, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> if you want our Juno story, uh, the first first year we were nominated for the best new group and uh, didn't win that, which is fine because that's the kiss of death. Um, it's well known right here. Canadian... Canadian Juno circles, if you win that, you disappear off the face of the earth and are never heard of again. So we didn't want that prize. But then two years later, we were nominated for Best Group of the Year. And in, and, and we were up against some really solid bands. So I thought, there's not a ghost of a chance that we're going to win that. So I wasn't concerned at all. And you know when you see people go up for awards and they're like, oh, I... Boy, what a shock. It's like, I never prepared anything. And, and, but you think, yeah, I'll bet you did. But, uh, but when in our case, oh, 100%, we didn't, uh, didn't prepare anything because there's no way we were, we were up against Rush. And, uh, and there was a, another very popular uh, band at the time, uh, Parachute Club. And, uh, I believe that it was up against those two. So I thought, oh, forget it. There's no chance. So I just, you know, I'm just enjoying the, the show, relaxing in the audience. But then when it comes to them announcing the best group, I see this, uh, a camera guy and an assistant, you know, because I didn't understand how the, how this, how the whole thing worked. So the camera guy's right in my face as they're announcing. I'm going, does he know something I don't know? And then I'm thinking, oh my God, Rush and Parachute Club split the vote and somehow we squeaked through in between. And it's like, oh God. And I've got literally nothing to say, nothing to say. And I'm just sitting there going, Please don't let us win. Please don't let us win. And I thought, you know, in later years, I thought, oh, I would be the only person in the world praying that we didn't win. <laughs> so anyway, that's cool. That's and, cool. and we didn't, and we didn't win, and uh, and that's okay. We were nominated. Yeah. Yeah. But your first two albums, 1982's "Worlds Away" and 1985's uh, "Two," were Canadian gold-selling records. Well, they were, and I, and I have to also interject there, because our third album, The Distance Between, just, just barely avoided gold status back then, but then they've since sold enough copies to put it over the top. So it should actually be gold, too, except that, uh, except that they don't, they didn't keep the records. So it's like they, they have no way to prove it. It's like, oh, damn, you know, anyway. Yeah, for sure. We had a had a couple of gold records, and that was nice. So, where exactly do you hang those in your house, Drew? Um, well, I gave them to my parents, and uh, uh, okay, and they and and then uh, my parents passed away, and uh, and now my sister has the gold records. So, oh, okay. I was always wondering about that. So, um, so let's let's backtrack uh, to when you uh, were a drummer. Actually, mm -hmm. that's how you started. You were 10 years old, and you, as I understand, you were drumming in your dad's band. Well, not at 10. Uh, I, I was certainly okay. drumming by 10. But, right. uh, by, but, but by the time I was 14, I was out gigging with my dad. Um, you know, we come from Glasgow in Scotland, and he played in big bands in, in Scotland, and then moved to Canada, and, uh, and he joined the, uh, uh, like a military band. And then started up like a little dance orchestra, you know. And so I would go out and I would uh, drum with him. 
And it was just like small bands at that point, uh, you know, three, four or five people in the band. And, uh, and I would go out and play with him. And it, of course, it was all music from, God, you know, like the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. Dance music, you know, for, you know, like waltzes and uh, sambas and, you know, you name it, any kind of dance, ballroom dancing. And uh, so I, I went out with him and I got to tell you, I was bored out of my head um, because, like, I was like, I'm a rock drummer, you know. And, uh, and of course, he's playing, like, you know, much tamer music and stuff. So, uh, but in later years, um, he, he lost his drummer. His drummer passed away. And he was looking for a drummer, and I said, well, you know, what about me? And this is like post-Stranger Vance and stuff. So I ended up going out with him again and and realizing, oh, the impact that the music that I played with him in the early days really had a, had a strong, it made a strong impression on me. And uh, going out in later years with him, uh, I loved the material. I loved going out there and playing with him. So it was, uh, you know, night and day you know the difference but uh i guess you grow up and you, you learn to appreciate the finer things in life right right um i was looking at uh an album cover and uh uh bill carter is uh, uh just an amazing archivist uh the, the collection he has on you is nothing short of stupendous uh wow. like, and uh, uh i also thank bill for getting you and i together um because uh Without Bill, you and I probably wouldn't have uh, connected. Uh, but anyway, I was looking at the hair. <laughs> it kind of looks a little bit about like almost Elvira's hair. <laughs> it's pretty oh, high yeah. up. <laughs> Actually, that is a very good comparison. And uh, right. not to mention, you know, I, I kind of had the hots for Elvira there for a long time. You know, <laughs> like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I've gone through just so many stupid hairstyles, right? And and probably still am. But uh, yeah, I've always had a weird thing about hair, and, and it was always you know trying to experiment and and like I had blue hair before blue hair was a thing, and they had right. to use leather leather dye in order to get it, and it was uh, just brutal. The, the stench of the chemicals and, and my my scalp just stinging like hell for you know days and whatever. But but anyway, it was all worth it to have a different look. So, so, days anyway. so you and Daryl Crom were the original guys that got together. Can you want to yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about how you guys connected? And your first band, I think, was called Slam. Is that right? Uh, Slam with an N, as in Norman. Slam. It was uh, the name Slam. of the Slam. Okay. Yeah, it was like, uh, and funnily enough, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Sukin Lee was a, a much music VJ, and uh, and she actually had a band. And she called it Slam, and I thought, really, two Slams in the world, you know, and, and both. And anyway, so uh, yeah, we actually I put an ad in the paper because back then, of course, pre-internet, that's what you had to do to, in order to reach people. So, so I put an ad in the paper, and shockingly, Daryl answered. And I say shockingly because if you knew Daryl, you know, like these days, that would be the last thing he would ever consider doing. Is calling some stranger and saying, "Hey, you know, I saw your ad. You know, whatever." He says, "That's not Daryl these days." But back then, he was brave. He called me, and uh, and, it, and it was like uh, I think <laughs> trying to remember the wording of the ad. You know, uh, looking for singer to join the glitter brigade or something like that. <laughs> and um, because of course that was the time of 
you know, the early days of Bowie and, and T-Rex and stuff and, and, uh, you know, Gary Glitter and, and Slade and, and, and Glitter was a thing. You know, that was sort of like a, that was almost like a, a musical genre, you know. So, so anyway, Daryl answered the ad. Uh, I went to his house and, uh, at that time, as, as I say, I was just drumming and I went down into his basement and he sat there strumming his 12 string guitar and played me all these songs that he had written. And I was blown away. I was just blown away. This guy is gold. He's got a great voice. His songs are fantastic. I thought, you know, you know, this is, this is serious. This is going to work. And then we put together our version of a cover band. Because back then, you know, that's what you had to do in order to get gigs and, and clubs and stuff. There weren't any original acts around or clubs that, that took original acts. So, you know, we, of course, were both into all those English bands, as well as, like, uh, you know, progressive rock. So, you know, Yes, Genesis, King Crimson, all that kind of thing. So anyway, we um, we put together this band, and we played very esoteric, um, you know, never heard in these parts, uh, you know, songs by all these bands. And we would introduce Vancouver to, you know, the latest Sparks album or or whatever it was we were listening to. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, we, we played the clubs and, uh, and actually got fired on, on several occasions because we weren't, you know, like, uh, we weren't like a, a real, you know, beer drinking kind of, kind of band. We were sort of a little bit more, uh, well, as, as I say, very esoteric choices in material and, and people are yelling out for ZZ Top and, and we're giving them Watcher of the Skies by Genesis. You know, it wasn't what they were looking for. But uh, but we had our uh, our fans, and uh, we had a good time in the band. And then uh, Daryl and I ended up hating each other's guts, and and that happens in bands. And <laughs> so I I I got bought out of the band and ended up buying a lighting rig, and and went out on tour with a a band uh, called Sweeney Todd, which uh, included uh, Nick Gilder and Jim McCullough. We went on, of course, to, to write Hot Child in the City and you know, a whole bunch of other hits. And um, so I was on the road with them. And uh, and then finally, Nick and Jim left Sweeney Todd, went to L.A., and uh, and and I ended up leaving the band. And, and that was pretty much uh, it for, for a couple of years until I got a call from Daryl, who at this point uh, decided he liked me again. <laughs> and uh, Just to backtrack on that. Drew, uh, you have a great story with Jim McCullough and uh, David Bowie. Can you share that oh, with our, our oh, listening yeah. freaks? Oh, well, yeah. Lan was uh, playing uh, a, a Vancouver club called Oral Can Harry's, and it was like one of the premier clubs in town. And uh, and one night, uh, our bass player came up to me and said, I never believe who's, who's here. I was like, uh, I give up who? David Bowie. So uh, we we run upstairs because they had a, a second, a little sort of jazz soul kind of room upstairs. And, uh, and I look, yep, there's David Bowie sitting like, you know, 10, 15 feet away from me at this table, wow. surrounded by really big black, uh, bodyguards. Um, you know, definitely there was no chance of anything bad happening to him. And I thought, Oh, I can't believe it's like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, interrupt him. I didn't want to say hello. I mean, it's it's a bit you know rude and and, and you know it's it's not the right time so I thought oh, I'll meet him some other time you know 
But anyway, I was telling Jim McCullough, my friend Jim, about this, and uh, and he said, I was there. You know, I, I was in the club, you know, when, when Bowie was there. And he told me his story of how they were climbing the stairs up to the second floor uh, where Bowie was, and Bowie at that precise moment was coming down the stairs, and um, and Jim was with his girlfriend, who's now his wife at the time, Barb. And um, and when Bowie reached Barb, he just reached up, grabbed her, and gave her a big dip and a, and a big kiss on the lips. And Jim's just standing there paralyzed. He's like, okay, what do I do? This is David Bowie. Do I punch him or do I ask for an autograph or, you know, what? So, uh, yeah, it was uh, an interesting moment. Actually, David Bowie went, went home with a, a girl that we knew. So, uh, and, and we were all like, you know, what happened? Tell us all about it. I'm not saying anything. It was a magical moment. I'm keeping it myself. It's like, okay. So, uh, yeah, that was the end of that. But, yeah. uh, but he had, but Bowie had his, his limo. It was like a blue limo, or I'm pretty sure it was a blue limo parked outside that he had just used in uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth, the movie that he had just starred in. So, you know, we were young and quite 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 impressed by the fact that uh, this was the, the actual, I'm touching the limo from the movie. So, uh, yeah, it was very cool. But, but, but you, you had your shot and you, you just didn't take it, eh? Well, you know, I've I've had experiences like that. Uh, after uh, after we made the first album, I got a call from uh, from Bob Rock, um, who who engineered our first album, and uh, and he had a band called the Paolas, <clears throat> and they were making an album, and they had Mick Ronson, Bowie's guitar player, in to produce. So uh, they asked if I'd like to go in and, and play some synth on uh, on a couple of songs, and um, and it was I was it was very nerve wracking because Nick Ronson was a great keyboard player, a great guitar player, a fantastic arranger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like, well, why do you need me? It's like I'm sure he can come up with you know lots of great ideas and sounds and stuff. But anyway, I went into the studio, uh, you know, got to hang out and meet Nick Ronson, and uh, and and I asked him at the time, you know, would you be interested in doing some string arrangements for us on our next record? He said, yeah, absolutely. So he gave me his phone number and uh, and where I was staying in Toronto and stuff, and uh, which I still have. I treasure it. And uh, and then, when it came time to make our next album, uh, Bruce Fairburn, our original producer, uh, his schedule was messed up, so he couldn't do it. So we were shopping around to a producer, and I kicked myself. Why didn't I think of Nick Ronson? You know, because he's, he's an awesome producer. And uh, But it just wasn't in my head at the time, so I never made that connection. And uh, then we ended up going to um, to England to work with Michael Kamen, who's a, a famous soundtrack composer. And uh, and we brought in Earl Slick, uh, David Bowie's you know, later guitar player, Right. And uh, and so, you know, and and the cool thing is, you know, you get to sit around these guys and hear all the stories, you know, and, and you know, what's it like and you know, how did this go? And and uh so it was uh, it was pretty interesting. We got a lot of a lot of Bowie stories off of him. That's 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 cool. That's very cool. So We Run actually is probably my favorite song that you guys play. I, I have many, but that one yeah. stands out the most. And the way that uh, the story was told to me uh, I caught it on YouTube. Um, I just want to reiterate it to, with you, and then maybe you can fill in the blanks. Uh, you sang vocals on it. 
and uh, actually uh, it was uh, Ed Shaw was your lead guitarist, and Derek Giles played drums and backing vocals. And no, no, no. Ed, okay. Ed, what happened was uh, Ed was around while I was writing the song, All right. and and he had some suggestions. He said like you know. What if you did something like this? And he set up a, a delay pattern, uh-huh. which uh, I loved, and uh, and I, I loved his ideas and stuff, which we incorporated. Um, on the, I, there's actually a little girl slick on the on the record as well, but uh, but no, um, Ed and Derek uh, didn't actually play on the on the record. Uh, oh, okay. Ed just Ed just supplied some awesome ideas for me. Right, right. Okay, and then he, he brought it back to you for your approval because it had echoes in it and it had like a, a very sync type uh, Mellotron bass is how uh, it was uh, uh, kind of mentioned. And it basically ended up being you that produced it. And, um, you know, what I want to know, though, what was your inspiration for that amazing song, Drew? That song is just... I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, make reference to it, but I kind of want to know what you really came up with when it was We Run. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Well, you know, most songs just I kind of pluck out of thin air. You know, it's just an idea, that, you know, and it comes into my head, and, and, you know, I might develop it, it might become a song, whatever, but I don't really have stories about most songs. But that in particular, um, I had a dream. I had a dream, and uh, and in the dream, I I saw I there were a couple of scenes. Um, you know how dreams are. It's like you know one weird thing follows another, and and you know who knows why you dream whatever you dream. But uh, but I was on the side of this hill, looking down. It was like all heavily wooded, and um, and and like you know the the sun you know would would cut through the trees, and. Um, and and yeah, so I'm looking down the hill into a harbor where there was this old-fashioned boat, uh, and I guess it was, it was like a military boat, but it was almost like you know, like it was like hundreds of years old or something. And uh, and on the deck of the boat, I could see all these bodies just lying there. Um, yeah, frozen smiles from men returned. They never even left this place. So it's like you know, that's just just those those two things were enough for me to, like, be inspired and, and write the song. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, and, and, and as I say, like, you know, Ed came up with this uh, great delay, uh, which I incorporated throughout the song, and uh, and it's just the feel of it. And, and once you're bubbling away and, and you've got an idea you're working with and you just run with it and, you know, and you just see where it goes. And, and, and on our website, there's actually the story of We Run, uh, because, like, I, I you know, I, I get asked lots of questions about it. And when I was writing the story about it, I had no idea how many people were involved in in the creation of the song and the recording. You know, right. I mean, you, you know, you, you have a tendency to, you know, well, I do anyway, just to sort of forget the specific details and just remember the generality of it. And if anyone had asked me before I wrote that story, it's like, yeah, yeah, I wrote a song. I produced it, you know, and, and it worked out pretty well. It's like, yeah, and then when you stop to think of it, though, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy contributed this part, and somebody else had a great idea for that, and anyway, I, I, just, I was just helped by all sorts of people, and, and uh, it was a very collaborative thing. 
it's and it's a very unique song because it, it it has such an incorporation of instruments in it, and including yeah. I, you know the violins as well, right? Well, I, I love strings. I just love strings. And uh, and if anyone is looking for a birthday present for me, uh, like a string quartet would be awesome. Just uh, deliver four string players to my place anytime you want. Um, there you go. Yeah. But uh, and that's that's what actually got me into. Uh, you know, of course, like we've said, I started off drumming. When I left high school, um, I borrowed a couple thousand dollars from my dad and uh, <clears throat> supremely supportive and nice, nice guy. And I went to London, England and bought a Mellotron because, like I was saying, you know, we would we would play music by Genesis and King Crimson and Yes. And, and uh, a Mellotron figured heavily into their sound, and I loved the sound of the Mellotron, because it gave you, you know, the, the sound of strings, you know, legitimate strings, which had never been done before. It was like an analog sampler. These days, it's all digital sampling, but back then, there wasn't anything else on the market. If, if you wanted that sound, you had to buy a Mellotron or a Chamberlain, but, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so I bought this Mellotron and came back with it, and, uh, and, and I would incorporate it in anything I wrote. And half the time I'm writing songs on the Mellotron, which is kind of a weird thing to do, but whatever. And, um, yeah, so the strings, uh, on We Run, uh, they might have originated on a Mellotron. When we went to England to work with Michael Kamen, um, the first thing he did was call up his friend, uh, who had a Fairlight sampler. And that was like the first, uh, you know, digital sampler, the first decent one anyway. And, um, and his friend was Hans Zimmer. Who is another huge soundtrack guy? You know, if you want, if you go through Hans Zimmer and Michael Kamen's uh, discographies, you will find out that they wrote, you know, half the music for all the all the movies, all the great movies that came out in the you know eighties, nineties, two thousands, whatever. And then, of course, Hans Zimmer is still going strong in that regard. So, anyway, there's uh, Michael Kamen in the studio with Hans Zimmer uh, playing his uh, Fairlight and spitting out all these fantastic ideas, uh, and, and he would just call out to Hans, it's like, you know, give me a French horn, give me a clarinet, you know, give me a viola, give me a cello, it's like, you know, whatever. And he would just start recording, and, uh, and it was then I, that I realized that I will never be a soundtrack composer, because they have to work so fast. Um, when a movie is finished, music is the last thing that gets done. And they might have spent like a year, two, five years on a film. And then they hand it to the guy that's going to do the score for it. And okay, you got two weeks, you know, no messing around, you know, get it done. So they have to work really, really fast. And Michael Kamen was uh, definitely a very, very fast uh, guy, you know, instant ideas and, and uh, put it in into practice. You know, it's just uh, fantastic to watch. So anyway, the, the strings on, the, on We Run, are, are as a direct result of Michael Kamen and that Fairlight. By the way, after that, that was only supposed to be like a, basically a demo, uh, him doing the, the strings on the on the Fairlight. We ended up bringing in uh, a bunch of string players in the London Symphony, and um, and then Michael, <laughs> we had a problem with Michael. He wanted to wrap the album up before it was actually finished, so we said, no, can't do that. So we ended up back in Toronto, and I remember sitting in the studio putting up the strings for We Run, the real strings, the real players, and it was terrible. They were, they were just all out of tune and out of time, and it's like, oh, no, 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 this is garbage. We can't use any of this. 
So we just depended on the Fairlight strings, uh, the, sort of the rough ideas that went down, and and that gave it its sort of unique sound, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's the story of the strings. And we will break, but we will definitely play We Run, and uh, then we will come back for part two of our interview with uh, Drew from Strange Advance. Hi, this is Drew Arnett from Strange Advance, and you're listening to Bry Guy on Highway Free. Yeah. 